All right, good morning. Welcome to church today. We'll be starting in about 10 minutes. How's that sound? Good. Blah. 
Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Temple Baptist Church. Take your song handouts, page 125, The Solid Rock, 
That's page 499. I have a home beyond the river, 499. Oh, the blessed contemplation when we're troubled here I sigh. announcements and uh, I I wanted to say this though first of all I am really looking forward to this meeting and it is so good to be uh, back in church on a regular basis so happy to have my wife here today and uh, glad that she's starting to feel better finally and appreciate all of your prayers for her as well as for me and uh, certainly uh, there's a lot of things to pray for in our nation and so uh, I'm looking forward to a good time of Hearing the word of God, and uh, I'm, I'm really praying that all of us will get the spiritual needs that uh, we have and uh, be encouraged to go on for the Lord in uh, these very interesting days that we live in. All right, um, by way of announcements, tonight at 6 o'clock, evening service, Brother Green will be preaching once again, and uh, we won't have 
a kids' lesson tonight, but I will say this, tonight and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, after each service, I will bring out the candy bucket for all of you kids, and so uh, you uh, just wanted to give you a heads up for that. There will be Master Club Regional Practice for about 30 minutes after the service tonight. If you have questions about that, see Brother Andrew Moody. And then, um, of course, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 7 p.m., Brother Green will be preaching. Uh, Master Club and Youth Group will be canceled Wednesday night because of the um, special meeting. Saturday, uh, we've got street ministry at noon, and then ladies' prayer meeting at 7 p.m., men's prayer meeting at 8 p.m., uh, had a great prayer meeting with the men yesterday morning, and uh, I, I really like that. And so uh, we'll just kind of see how things go, how the Lord leads. But, uh, you know, if it doesn't matter to me if we meet at 3 in the morning. Uh, I, I plan on being here, and uh, we want to have it at a time where uh, where it works best for everyone. And so we'll certainly be praying about that. But I, I know personally I really liked it yesterday morning. Of course, after being sick, it was the first uh, 8 a.m. prayer meeting that I was able to make it to this year. And so um, uh, we'll see how things go. And then uh, also remember upcoming events. We've got Master Club Regionals at um, uh, March 19th. And so appreciate all of the faithfulness of you young people and all the support of you parents in uh, helping your kids out in the Master Club program. I think that's got all of our bases covered, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, sing our last congregational hymn on the back of your handout. What a day that will be. Let's all stand. Where shall his praise begin? 
taking away my burden, setting my spirit free for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the master's grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea. Than the mountains, broken like a fountain, of sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgression, singing greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise His name. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Reaching to all the lost By it I have been pardoned Saved to the uttermost Chains have been torn asunder Giving me liberty For the wonderful grace of Jesus Reaches me the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, than the mountains, burning like a thousand, full sufficient grace for even me, for even me, broader than the scope of my transgression, singing greater far than all my sin and shame, my danger, oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise His of Jesus reaching the most defiled by his transforming power making him God's new child purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity and the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountains, burning like a thousand, of grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgression, sing it greater far than all my sin and shame, oh magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise funny everybody's awkward you know some churches clap some churches are against clapping it's like i'm just glad that there's some response amen (laughs) you can say amen hallelujah clap it doesn't matter to me just uh, i think that's a good thing and uh, i certainly enjoyed that special and uh, i'm glad that you enjoyed it as well Uh, as i've already mentioned brother green has been uh, a very good friend to this preacher and uh, one thing that i have always appreciated about brother green is that I've known him before I was in full-time ministry. I knew him when I was an assistant, 
and then I've known him as a pastor, and I've never been around Brother Green when he treated me any different, regardless of what my position or status was. Uh, I've always seen him to be a man that's just real, the same today as he was yesterday, uh, not uh, one of these preachers that plays all of the politics. Uh, he just believes the book and preaches it and lives it, and um, I don't know uh, I don't know if that's... Uh, in your book, but in my book, that's uh, what men of God ought to be, and so I certainly appreciate his friendship. He's got some books out there on the table in the foyer, and uh, be sure and uh, go by there and uh, buy a half a dozen of them. And Brother Green, uh, he wrote a book here that's entitled The Great I Am Still Is, and uh, that's a book that he wrote. He gave me this copy before the service, and I'm very thankful for that, Brother Green, because if I don't like your preaching, I'll just read your book while... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so, Brother Green, I appreciate you. Everything I just said, I mean from the bottom of my heart. I'm so glad that you're here and looking forward to what God's going to do this week. Well, it's good to be here this morning. I thought about uh, talking about applause or saying amen or whatever. I pre- My father passed away uh, the 9th of February. And we had the funeral in Lansing, Michigan, where he had pastored for 62 years in that church. And the um, building was packed. There's well over 500 people there. And I think they ran out of parking because they had too much snow piled up. Uh, they had, the snow was three feet, uh, two to three feet on the level and piles as high as this building around the place and just... Uh, you know, you ought to thank God for the weather you have down here. I, I saw daffodils coming to church already this morning. But anyway, I preached, and uh, my mother had passed away when she was just a 45-year-old girl uh, back in 1975, and my dad was single for about eight years, and then he married another lady. And uh, they were married for over 39 years, longer than my mom and dad were married. And... Uh, she was sitting right there on the front row when I got up to speak, and my opening remarks talked about her. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I commended her, and I, I made the statement that she has become, uh, I think, the star in the firmament of our family, I think was a term I used. And when I said that, the entire congregation uh, stood up and gave a standing ovation. And after the service is over, she has one son by her first husband who had died when uh, she was just, she got married when she was 17. She told me the other day, and I didn't know all this stuff, and, uh, you know, you just never ask some things, and he had died when she was just a 30-year-old girl. And uh, so she married my dad, and her son was there. And I said to him, I said, Mike, you know, that is the first, I've been preaching for over 50 years. That is the first standing ovation I have ever gotten. He said, it wasn't for you, it was for mom. <laughs> so there's really not much to him. If you get applause or amens or, you know, you're, you're, it's really not about us anyway. And uh, thank God for our salvation. Thank God for his grace. Uh, since I was here last, I think it's been almost four years ago, if my Memory's right, and I was supposed to be here some other time last year, and I got sick, got pneumonia. But uh, I have gotten new eye, uh, really new contact lenses. I've been blind 
in my right eye for, since I was a 21-year-old kid. And I don't want to take a lot of time this morning, but I got these new contact lenses now, uh, some brand new things. And I have 20-30 vision in both eyes. So all the other times I preached here, uh, I couldn't see anybody pass, and there's nobody, well, these kids over here in the second row, uh, but I could, wouldn't even know if they had noses or eyes or anything. But now I can see way in the back. I can see, your, I can see you. And for all these years, I thought everybody liked me. But now I can see, I can see people scowl and I can see them shake their heads and whisper to their wife, can you believe he said that? I can see all that stuff now. So it's been a little disconcerting, frankly, uh, to be able to see uh, like that. But it, it really is a blessing. It hasn't helped my deer hunting any, but uh, I've, I've seen them, but I don't get them anymore like I used to. Anyway, I want you to look in your book, if you would, this morning. Uh, to Proverbs chapter 27, and just want to read one verse to you, a very, very familiar verse. I suppose most of you uh, probably have it memorized. These are just those, you know, cheap glasses that you can buy at the dollar store, and that's all I need anymore uh, to read. But Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opening service of these four days. And optimistically, and from a spiritual standpoint, I would hope it would be a revival. I would trust that there be people in this room that are at whatever level they are right now, that the degrees would be increased a little bit. That they would be more faithful, more concerned, more desirous to do your will, more involved in the work of God, perhaps, than they ever have been. Now I pray, Lord, specifically this morning, if there's anyone that's not saved, anyone here that's never truly been born again, that today would be the day and this would be the hour that they would recognize their need of the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again. And we would thank you and praise you for that. And we ask it in your lovely Lord, or your lovely son's name and our Lord Jesus Christ. And amen. Uh, Last summer, my wife and I went on our, I'm going to get this right, our 51st wedding anniversary. And uh, we go to the same little town now for the last decade or so where we went on our honeymoon. Uh, be 52 years ago this year. Uh, we stay in a lot nicer hotel than we did 52 years ago. Uh, it, it, I guess you determine its niceness by its cost. It's a lot more than uh, what we spent, I'm sure, way back when. But while we were there, uh, August the 8th, and like most people today, I get my news over my phone, and I had noticed that a great football coach, 
Bobby Bowden had passed away. And I always had some respect for that man. I thought a lot of him. And so uh, I Googled it or however I got to it. I, I watched his funeral on my phone. It was very interesting. Uh, ex-players spoke. Uh, ex-coaches spoke. Uh, football players from the professional ranks that went to Florida State, they spoke. His pastor uh, preached a tremendous gospel message at that funeral. But the most dramatic testimony and testimonial, I guess, would be a better term. Uh, and I think it was uh, very revealing. It was given by a man by the name of Mark Richt. And Richt had been an assistant coach there at Florida State, and he went on to coach the University of Georgia and also the University of Miami. Uh, he now does some television work uh, in, at games, and he also has uh, Parkinson's disease. And he made this little testimony. He said there was a player on the team uh, back years ago, 21-year-old boy by the name of Mark, excuse me, by the name of Pablo Lopez. And Pablo had got married one week. They had a bye week. And uh, he had gone to a party on Saturday night. They didn't have a game that day. And someone put a shotgun to his chest and killed him. So that Monday morning after that, the coach had all the players, all the coaches, training staff gathered in a room. And he had a chair, an empty chair. And he said, this was Pablo's chair. It's empty today. He's been shot and killed. Then Mark Rick said this. Coach Bowden said, what if that was your chair today? Where would you be? Where in eternity would you be? That football coach said, the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, Mark, if that was your empty chair, You'd be in hell. He said, I made an appointment with Coach Bowden. And the next morning in his office, I got down on my knees. He led me to Jesus Christ. And I got born again. You see, it's not church membership that gets us to heaven. It's a divine relationship. It's not turning over a new leaf, but turning your life over to God. It's not doing good deeds, but it's letting God's goodness manifest itself in your life. It's not trusting in self, but it's trusting Christ as your Savior. There's not a person in this room 
that is guaranteed tomorrow. There's no promise of another 24 hours. We have no promise of another hour. You may fully intend this morning, I'm going to come back to church tonight. But you could be in eternity six and a half hours from right now. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only deterrent to eternal damnation in hell. The law of the Lord is perfect, the Bible says, converting the soul in Psalms 19 and 7. See, the law reveals our condition. The law lays some demands that reveal a sinner's shortcoming. No, I don't know. I guess most of us, uh, I, I didn't drive to church. I had a ride to church. But uh, I would assume, and I didn't pay any attention because I wasn't driving. I don't know if the pastor was paying any attention either. But surely we passed some speed limit signs, 35, 45, whatever. That's the law. Now, I know there's nobody here this morning that has ever exceeded the speed limit in their life. We at least have one liar here this morning. And all liars shall find their part in the lake of fire. But the New Testament, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The gospel can remove our sin. First John 1 and 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. The law is a restraint. It affects our conscience. But the gospel can redeem. First Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19. Thank God we are not redeemed by corruptible things as silver and gold. But by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's son. The law is a chain. It ties us down. It uh, really gives us no hope. But I'm thankful this morning that the gospel can change someone. Second Corinthians 5 and 17. We can become new creatures in Christ Jesus. The law can protect us. Keeps us from doing wrong. But the gospel can perfect us. It can make us clean. It can... Cause us to have our sins forgiven. I'm going to say this this morning. It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous to play around with your eternal soul. Every single one of us in this room, every single uh, citizen of Statesville, North Carolina, Every citizen of the state of North Carolina is going to spend eternity in one of two places. Heaven if you're saved and hell if you're lost. The writer of Proverbs said, boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day 
may bring forth. Man is without excuse. Now, you may have some excuses, but they're not going to hold much water. You know, some people say, you know, I, I have sinned. You know, preacher, I have sinned so much that I don't think God could forgive me. Listen, Christ's cleansing blood can cleanse the worst sinner that's ever existed on this planet. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Our book says this, How much more shall the blood of Christ, through the Spirit, purge you? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 14. You say, well, I've gone too deep. Lester Roloff used to sing the song. It was, it was a great old song. He said, the blood of Jesus Christ has gone far deeper than the stain of sin has ever gone. And I believe that. You say, well, I've fallen too far. God's saving grace has traveled much farther. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.13, those that are far off have been made nigh through the blood of Jesus Christ. You have no excuse this morning. You stand before God one day at the great white throne judgment, the Bible refers to it. If you stand there as a lost sinner and face God, there is no excuse that will hold up. But Jesus Christ went to the cross to save every sinner. I was... Uh, I don't remember where I was. I was preaching somewhere in the south. Uh, there was another preacher also that was preaching with me. And uh, he told this story. He, he was a young man, maybe late teen, early 20s. He had just gotten married. They, he wasn't saved. His wife wasn't saved. They didn't know the Lord. They lived kind of way out in the country. Their cl- the closest neighbor was about a quarter of a mile away. He said, I came home from work. I saw the lady of the house and their little daughter, five, six years of age, out in the yard playing. said, when I went by in my pickup truck, I waved. They waved at me. And I went home. Had supper that evening. Uh, my wife and I getting ready to go to bed. Went in the upstairs. He said, I just happened to look out the window and I could see that house. It was in flames where that lady and that little girl were. He said, I quickly addressed, went down to that. He said, by the time I got there, there was nothing that I could do. Didn't have a telephone. Obviously, you know, many, many years ago, nobody even knew what a cell phone was. Had no way to communicate with anybody. Someone else apparently had noticed the fire. Uh, soon the fire department was coming. And, and by the time they got there, really the house had just about uh, gone down to nothing. And the ashes were smoldering and the smoke was going up. They doused the flames What were there. And he stood around like, you know, some people do in places like that in situations not knowing exactly what to do, and uh, the fire chief came over to him. And he said, you were the first one here. He said, yes. He said, I I couldn't do a thing. It's impossible. He said, do you know if anybody was home? He said, when I came home, I 
waved to the mother and the little girl out in the yard. I, I believe they were home. I, I know the dad was not there, the father, husband. I know he drives a truck. He wasn't home. And she said, okay. And so they began to search through the ashes. He stood around there till the, just about the break of day. And finally, they brought wrapped in blankets. And he said, now, young man, he said, I, if you could, he said, I, I would like to have you, uh, if you could identify the body of the little girl. He said, I don't want you to see the mother. It's impossible. There's no way if that's her to recognize her. He said, okay, I'll do my best. He said, they pulled some sodden blankets and uh, once wet towels off of that little body of that five or six-year-old girl. He said, it, looks like, it looked like she was just asleep. There were no burns. There, were no, there was nothing on her. She was just like a little child laying there as they pulled those blankets off. He said, that's her. That's, I know her. That's a little girl. So as they were covering her back up, a, a blank, that one of those blankets, and he saw that mother burnt beyond recognition. He's just a kid, just a 20, 21 year old kid. It just, it, he couldn't have, he said, sir, how could that be? The fire chief, he, you know, reconstruct the scene. He said, well, what we think, the mother took those wet blankets and wet towels and wrapped them around the body of their little girl to protect, protect her from the flames, to keep her safe. And he said, that's why she looks like that. And the mother, I hate, I'm sorry you saw her. He told that story. I listened to him. The thought went through my mind, that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for this whole world. He has wrapped his arms around us to keep us from Calvary. He's extended his arms. He's reached his heart. He's uh, spoke to people. He's had preachers preach and witnesses witness to protect people from an eternity in a devil's hell. To keep us from the flames of eternal damnation. You say, preacher, do you believe in hell? I've been on this trail for nearly 52 years trying to keep people out of hell. People just like you if you're lost. Like your children if they're still lost. Or a brother if you have one, or a sister, or a parent. It's without Christ. A neighbor. I have lost neighbors. I've witnessed to my neighbors. Some of them don't want to hear it anymore. Some of them told me I've got my religion, you've got yours. I'm not talking about religion this morning. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ that is procured by his redemptive blood that he shed on Calvary. There's four quick questions, vital questions, that I want you to consider in the next few moments. Number one, where did you come from? If you're a sinner, I want you to think about that. 
Where did you come from? What are you here for? Where are you going when you die? It's appointed unto man once to die. And then cometh the judgment. And how to get to where you're going to end up. Now you think about it. If you're a sinner here this morning, you're at a crossroads. Between the broad way that leads to death or the narrow way that leads to life. You say, I like the bright lights. I like the good times. Fine. Stay the way you are. But friend, you're going to live in eternity in either heaven or hell for a whole lot longer than you've lived on this planet. My dad lived to be 93 plus years old. He'd been 94 in June. He's going to live a whole lot longer in heaven than he lived here on this planet. And so will you. You say, you know, preacher, I, uh, I believe in evolution. You're a fool. You, you know, if there was evolution, if evolution was true, why don't we keep on, why don't we keep evolving? Now, I get kind of shaken every once in a while on this thing because I've been to the airport. And you see some pretty strange people in the airport. Yesterday, coming down, I saw a girl about this tall and her mother about this tall, and they had three different colors of hair. I mean, I'm not talking about blonde or gray or, I mean, red, white, and blue. Like Maybe they were patriotic. I don't know. Strange people. Someone said this, I am not the product of amoeba and sod, or a shuttle thread in the loom of fate, but a born-again son of a living God with eternity for my vast estate. I'm not the action of cosmic night or a thing of chance that turned into a man, but a deathless soul on an upward flight and an heir to my father's perfect plan. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If you can't get past the first four words in the Bible, in the beginning, God, you're in trouble this morning. You're in trouble. You've got to believe that. God put this thing together. Jesus Christ died on... This is one of the greatest thoughts I think I've ever... I don't know if I heard somebody say it or if I just read it in a book or it just popped in my head one time. Jesus Christ paid our sin debt before we were even born. The Bible said, from the foundations of the world, he's bought our redemption. I believe in creation. I believe he created all that we know in six days and rested on the seventh. I believe that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Where'd you come from? What are you here for? Fun? Recreation? Career? Make some money? The Bible said we are here for God's pleasure. My life, your life, is to please God Almighty. Where are you going to go? I've, I'm repeating myself. Heaven if you're saved, hell if you're lost. 
It's that simple. And I believe that somewhere between your first breath and your last gasp, there's got to be a time, there's got to be a place when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Somewhere in there. Not joining the church, not being a good guy, but being born again. All of us sitting in this room, we had that first breath. But you can mark her down, we're going to breathe our last one these days. It's appointed unto man once to die. It's hell or heaven. It's up to you, it's your choice. How do you get to where you want to go? If you want to go to hell, don't do a thing. Just stay the way you are. Take all the chance you want to. It's a fool's errand to do that. Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, I don't believe that salvation... You know, a lot of people... And you talk to God and you witness to people and you, you know, get talking about it and say, well, you know, such and such, I was 12, I got baptized. Or when I was 8, I uh, joined the church. Or, you know, I prayed this little prayer. Salvation is an experience, an initial experience. But it's the continuation of a life that's pleasing to God. You, I've talked to people, oh, yeah, I, I've done that. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I've witnessed to people, God, with my hand on the Bible. I've stood there and talked to people at the door. They're smoking a cigarette, and they got a beer in the other hand, and they say, yeah, I'm saved. Now, I'm not saying drinking's going to send you to hell, and I'm not going to say smoking's going to send you to hell. Smoking will make you smell like you've already been there. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. When you get born again, your life changes. And it's a constant thing. It's a continuous thing. Salvation is a life-changing experience with a life-altering destiny. Now, here you are. You're lost. Standing on a bridge between two worlds. What will it be? Sheltered in the arms of God or shattered on the ruins, the rocks of ruin. We'll be amazed by the grace of God when you see all that he's provided us in heaven. Or will you be wallowing in the disgrace of a devil's hell? Will your life be nothing but the end of the story or will it be the beginning of a symphony? Will it be celebrating and praising God or whether it be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Where will you go to the halls of praise or the caverns of the damned? Will it be coronation or condemnation? Will it be mansions of glory or dungeons where demons dwell? Who will be there? Will there be a reunion with loved ones? Will there be a regret? Will there be at the dawn of a new day or be the darkest of night? Will burdens be lifted or will you be bowed beneath your burdens for all eternity? Will you be stranded in a flaming 
island of hate or sheltered in the arms of God Almighty. How will you fare? Will you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or will you hear, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire? Will you hear, enter now into the joy of thy Lord? Or will you hear, I never knew you. I never knew you. What a tragedy that would be. What a horror story that would be. Simply this morning, heaven or hell, life or death, Jesus or Satan, saved or lost. It's a choice that all of us must make, and it demands a decision. And the Savior offers the only solution. And the devil produces nothing but damnation. Where are you going to go when you die? Where are you going to go when you die? One gentleman here in the church talked to me out in the lobby just a Oh, less than an hour ago. Just a few minutes ago, really. The grandson went out into eternity. Young man, I think 22 years of age. Saddest thing I think I've ever seen in my life was a casket of a grandmother here and and her seven-year-old grandson there both killed in an automobile accident. I was in that church last week, I think Tuesday, the viewing of the man that was the pastor to preach the funeral of that grandmother and that grandchild. Killed in a wreck. Just like that. We don't guarantee we're going to get home this afternoon. We don't promise I'm going to be here 20 years from now. Or 20 minutes from now. I think so many of us just casually go through life. And I I didn't get saved until I was nearly 21 years of age. Oh, I made a profession as a kid. But I didn't get born again. I made a profession as an 18-year-old teenager. But I didn't get saved. You can make all the professions you want. But unless you come to Christ in faith, believing, and he births you into the family of God, you're you're going to go to hell. I think so many people in our churches, our Baptist churches across the country, they're hanging on to this little old decision that I made, you know, 15, 20, or 50 years ago that did not change your life one iota. Without a change, without that eternal defining difference, it's tragic, friend. How horrible. Think about it. To sit in the pews of a church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and not be saved. And hear the gospel preached. And hear the song sung. And know the Bible stories. 
But you don't know the Savior. You don't know Christ. The old coach took a chair. He said, if this was your chair, this was Pablo's chair. If this was your empty chair, where would you be? Where would you be? And the coach, Coach Richt, probably just with any regular old sinner, But the Holy Ghost, he said, spoke to my heart. He said, Mark, where would you be? You'd be in hell. He could have sloughed it off. Just like there's people in this room this morning. (laughs) That preacher. Now pay attention to that. But he made an appointment. And it was a divine appointment. And the next day, down on his knees in the coach's office, got born again. And his life changed. And I'm going to tell you something. The 15th day of March, 1970. Matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, (laughs) I was at my dad's house after the funeral. And I walked into that room where I got saved. My dad's wife has turned it into her closet. She's got a lot of clothes. It's kind of a little pantry even. And I looked at that and I said, but I could I could take you. I could take you within a foot. We're down on my knees. My dad took the word of God, and I got born again at 2.30, sometime between 2.30 and 3 o'clock in the morning on the 15th day of March, 1970, and you didn't know me before that. That girl knew, knew me before that, and she got saved two years, excuse me, two days later in a revival meeting at my dad's church. Dolphus Price was preaching. There were 33 got saved that week, and 31 of us got baptized. That's the kind of revival meetings we used to have in the 70s. Wouldn't that be great to have one like that this week? Look at that chair. Look at your pew where you are. Where would you be? Where would you be if you died today? Now I'm going to ask you a question. How many people in this room say, Brother Tim, I I went to church one day as a lost sinner. Maybe to Sunday school as a kid. And a faithful Sunday school teacher led you to Jesus Christ. Listen, a lot of people get saved when they're kids. I didn't, but a lot of people do. How many people in this room say, Preacher, I went to church one day a lost sinner. And I got born again. My Sunday school teacher led me to the Lord down beside a little chair or I went forward in the church and I got born again at the altar or somebody came to me in my pew. But I came to church one day as a lost sinner, but I walked out a saved, born-again child of God. 
Would you raise your hand high if I could see it? That's a lot of people. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Now, I couldn't raise my hand to that. I got saved at home. 2124 Lawana Drive, Lansing, Michigan. That's where I got saved. It doesn't matter where you get saved. It matters that you get saved. So anybody here this morning say, Brother Green, I'm not a Christian. I've never been saved. I know I'm not saved, but I'd like to get it settled today. Would you raise your hand high that I could see it? Man or woman, boy or girl, couple little young hands. I think moms and dads should talk to those people. You may put it down, sweetheart. Anybody else? I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. I know I'm not. But I'd like to get it settled today. I'd like to get born again today. I wish I'd have got saved when I was an eight-year-old kid, a ten-year-old boy. Saved me a lot of heartache. Saved me a lot of bad memories. Saved me a lot of things that I think have at times affected me adversely. But I know they're all under the blood. I know they're all forgiven. And I sure don't drag them up and tell people about it. What God has forgiven, I'm going to forget it. And go on and serve Him. Anybody this morning? Anybody else this morning? I'm not saved. Not sure I'm saved. I'd like to get it settled today. Would you raise your hand? Anybody? Let me ask you this question. Is anybody here today? You say, preacher, I am saved. I know I'm saved. But I know of somebody here today that's not a Christian. Somebody that's not saved. Somebody I love and care about. Would you raise your hand? Several people. God bless you. My suggestion, my recommendation is right now you'd pray for them. At least half a dozen hands, maybe more were raised. They may know the same lost person. I don't know. It might be a child, loved one. I prayed for you this morning in the hotel that God would save sinners. I want to say something as an indictment against this 21st century church of ours. We're not getting lost people to church anymore. I don't know if we've lost our influence. I don't know if we just don't care anymore. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's COVID. I don't know. God, help us. Christian, God, help us to... Light a fire in our hearts to get some lost people to church. I've been preaching revival meetings since 1976. The first revival I ever preached was in this state. That week, there were 28 adults that got saved, 24 of them got baptized. I was a kid preacher. I hardly knew anything. 
But some Christian people, saved people, got some lost people to the house of God where they could get dealt with about their eternal destiny. How many Christians in this room would say, Brother Tim, I'll do my best to invite somebody to come to this revival meeting. Listen, we just got tonight. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will be over. You say, preacher, I will do my best to invite someone to come to this meeting. Would you raise your hand high? It's a lot of people, about half. About half. I pray God will help you to get somebody. Let's quietly stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Anna's just going to play for the invitation. If you're not saved and you didn't raise your hand, if you are saved, you need to come and pray about something. Your pastor's down here praying. How about coming this morning? The opening hour of this revival meeting. Say, God help me. God stir my heart. God help me to invite some people. God prosper my way as I witness. God bless you, dear lady. God bless you, sir. Come pray. Pray that God would save sinners. Pray that God would restore backsliders. Pray that God would deal with the hearts of people. I don't think a church needs an amateur comedian in the pulpit today. I think we need a man that could somehow preach and Holy Ghost conviction would rest in the hearts of our listeners and draw us to a closer walk with Him, a deeper relationship with Him, a more consistent life for Him. Would you come? Father in heaven, we thank you for these few minutes this morning. There's not a one of us in this room that doesn't understand the verse that we started the message with. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth.
Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to our hearts today. Lord, I want to thank you personally and publicly for convicting me. I pray, Father, that you'd help me to be what I ought to be. Lord, we're living in a lost and dying world, surrounded by sinners, people in need of being reconciled to Jesus Christ, being born again, becoming new creatures. Lives need to be changed from glorifying self and Satan into lives that glorify the Savior. I pray, God, that you would help us to have that burden and that vision once again, to quit living for self quit living in fear, uh, quit living in discouragement. Lord, I know sometimes we think, what good does it do? We get tired of failing. We get tired of people not responding, people who won't listen. And God, help us to not get complacent and stop caring. Help us, Father, to do the best that we can to reach a lost and dying world for Christ. Help us to reach Statesville. God, there's so many needs around us. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for this uh, tremendous gospel message that we heard today. And, Lord, as we close out this morning's service, the first uh, service of this conference, God, if anyone was listening, whether they raised their hand or not, and has never been born again, I pray, Father, that you'd help them. Help them, Father, to see past any deception to see past worrying about what anybody thinks of them. And I pray, God, that they would get born again before they leave this place today. God, work in our hearts this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for the Lord for speaking to our hearts today. I appreciate Brother Green and the message that he brought. I trust that God spoke to your heart as well. Uh, you are dismissed at this time. Uh, I would ask you this, if you'd give me just a few minutes to get back to the back. I don't want to miss anybody. I'd like to be able to shake your hand and see you before you leave. Be sure and check out Brother Tim's uh, book table there and uh, buy all of his books. So I have to take him to the airport and help him with his luggage because he's getting so old. And so uh, make it easier on me uh, lifting all of that luggage by buying all of his books. God bless you. We'll see you this evening at 6 o'clock.
friends who say they've just lost their dearest friend. All that he said, now he was dead, so this was the way it would end. The dreams they had dreamed were not what they seemed. Now that he was dead and gone, the garden, the jail, the hammer, the nail, how could a night be so long? Then came the morning, night's
Cause I heard about the crimson flowing tide It's then I realized for me the Savior died I heard He left His home in glory Oh how I love to tell the story Of how Jesus came and died for me And his life he freely gave He left it all so that I might go free 